This is episode six of the Fire Protection Podcast, powered by InspectPoint. Today, my guest is Luke Connery. Luke is the Vice President and General Manager of the Northeast Region at Conquest Fire Spray. Conquest Fire Spray is a manufacturer of fire-rated ducting. It's really outside the realm of our our regular um, thoughts of fire protection, fire suppression, fire sprinkler, fire alarm. So I wanted to get a, a, a different perspective from somebody that has been in the industry for over 20 years. Uh, I've worked with Luke at, at Tyco back in the day and wanted to get his perspective on passive fire protection, where the industry is going, and how uh, the HVAC systems and fire rating compare to active fire suppression systems. So a little different topic today, so I'd, lo- I'd love to uh, get his take on it and hope you enjoy the podcast. Yeah, I want to welcome in uh, Luke Connery. Uh, Luke is the, if I get this wrong, let me know, but you're the (laughs) general manager, uh, vice president for the Northeast for Conquest Flame Bar. Um, I believe that's a fire-rated ducting system for uh, fire protection HVAC. It's kind of in the realm of what we do at InspectPoint with some of the dampers and all that, but, you know, most of fire protection as we grew up with it is sprinkler, fire alarm, all that, so... Wanted to have you on to, this is a whole different, more passive fire protection. So, yeah, um, yeah, you expressed interest and you know, let's, let's shoot. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, first and foremost, thank you very much for having me on the platform, having me on the podcast here. Um, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time driving in the car, doing commutes, uh, you know, on the way to customer sites, what have you. And, um, you know, you can listen to Sirius XM radio, you can listen right. to the radio, whatever it is, and right. maybe during football season, that's uh, maybe I'll tune into some sports radio, but, you know, podcast is, uh, podcasting, it's a way to kind of dial in exactly what you're interested in, yeah. and uh, so I've been listening to yours, I think it's great, I think you're doing good work here, so uh, congratulations on the podcast. Yeah, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll definitely get better, it's obviously evolving, Um but again, you know, we've done a bunch of sprinkler style podcasts. I want to get more, you know, different realms of fire protection, including the HVAC side of things, which you brought up. I didn't, I don't know a lot of this. So yeah. I guess what is, what is Flame Bar, you know, for just the general audience out there? Yeah. So you'll hear the name uh, Conquest Fire Spray. You'll hear Conquest Flame Bar. You'll hear just Flame Bar by itself. The product is, is called Flame Bar. It's, it's fire rated duct. But I think in recent years, we've taken it beyond just the duct work itself. It's really, you know, fire-rated duct systems, yeah. um, you know, featuring, uh, you know, custom enclosures. And, and you know, we, we manufacture, we fabricate the duct, uh, we coat the duct. It all happens out of one of our two locations um, just outside of Detroit. We have a factory that's our headquarters in Warren, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Then we have another uh, plant down in Miramar, Florida. So, it, you know, we do fire-rated duct. Um, and so, you know, I just wanted to comment real quick. Yeah. You mentioned people think fire protection and people think sprinkler or people think, um, extinguisher is fire alarm. Yeah. Yeah. Suppression. The suppression, suppression. the suppression side of the industry is the one that sort of, I guess has more gravitational pull or Mm -hmm. people sort of defer to that when they hear the term fire protection, but you're right. It's bigger than that. Um, and so, um, this, this whole passive side, which fire rated duct fits into is a part of that, um, 
it's a part of that bigger world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it has its roots in sort of the code, the building code, the mechanical code, which from a fire protection standpoint, uh, this is what sort of outlines how you build buildings, you know, uh, where the trade-offs exist. And uh, it's one of the most important, you know, uh, parts of uh, building design is, you know, focusing on the code and what the code dictates and uh, how the code is applied and and what gets traded off when you're using some of these suppression systems, for example. Right. Um, And and so, uh, so certainly, you know, um, so as it pertains to flame bar, fire rated duct, you think of, you know, the example that comes to mind most frequently is, you know, towers or any kind of, any building that's four stories. High rises. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Four floors or more. Right. And, um, you know, when you're penetrating from a ventilation standpoint, those floors, yeah, you want to make sure that, you know, you're not inviting a fire to start on, you know, floor number two and move up to floor number 15. Right. Uh, so there's certain protectives that get put in place and sort of, um, you know, that's, that's where the code comes in. That's where fire rated duct comes into that. Gotcha. So where's that? Is that in the IBC? Is that in jurisdictional building codes or how, I don't, I don't know where the, the codes coming from. So yes. 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 Uh, So the IBC is the biggest part of that. Right. Uh, and it just depends on the jurisdiction as to which edition of the building code has been adopted. Mm-hmm. And um, so here in Massachusetts, and actually technically we're sitting in Rhode Island here, but in Massachusetts it's uh, 780 CMR, so it relies on the 2015 version of the IBC. Okay. Um, and then also the 2015 version of the IMC is referenced, the International Mechanical, Mechanical Code. code. Yeah. Yep. And... Um, and that drives a lot of what we do. And within the building code, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that we deal with quite a bit with fire rated duct is this idea of symmetry. Um, you know, I think you were probably like five years old when you first heard you're only as strong as your weakest link. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that applies to materials used in construction, especially fire rated materials. And so if you have a, a wall assembly, right. you know, when you test it in the furnace in these fire tests, right, and mm-hmm. you'll hear me reference probably ASTM E119, um, you know, which, which will, the temperatures go to 2000 degrees. Wow. Not only do the temperatures, not only does that assembly need to work on this side of the wall, but it also needs to work on yeah, the side. other side of the wall, right? And everything throughout the building is tested that way. Okay. So is that assembly, sorry to go back, but... That that ASTM standard, you're testing that duct work or whatever uh, you're doing in, in a furnace. Uh, That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, which furnace ha- you know furnace will have size limitations to it. Sure. But you know, I mean, these are pretty big. These are big furnaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So UL yeah, will 2000. build a furnace. Uh, you know, Intertech Labs will build a furnace. There's okay. A bunch of other laboratories across the world that have these furnaces that run the same or similar time temperature curves to get up to that 2000 degrees, which is the temperatures that you see in a fire, yep. whether it's a 45 minute, one hour, two hour, four hour yep. fire resistance rating. Okay. And so it's important for uh, uh, the materials used in construction to perform in a symmetric way uh, to those or at those temperatures. So with fire rated duct, a lot of what's been done for the past 10, 20, 30 years yeah. is exposure only to one side 
of that. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. So, so especially here in North America. Right. Um, and you just have, it's called, you know, strong side exposure or duct A, which is fire, those 2,000 degree temperatures, yep. outside the duct only. Okay, not inside, just on the What about the temperatures on the inside of the right, duct? Right, right. Why is that not important or less important right. in fire-rated ducts of all places? Yeah, because the heat's transferring inside if there's a fire. Well, it could. I mean, some of these, you know, plenums, which might be fire-rated plenums, big intake plenums on the side of modern commercial buildings, mm-hmm. might be the size of a school bus. Oh, right. Yeah, and if you have a truck fire or if you have an external cladding fire or whatever it might be, you're going to be taking hot gases right into that intake plenum. And if you're not protected on the inside of that duct, or if you don't have listings that sort of show you how to install your product so that it protects the inside of that duct, that's called weak side exposure or duct B. So you can go out there and see these duct B listings. UL has duct B listings. Intertech has duct B listings. You really want to see that duct B, you know, sort of uh, uh, listing associated with these products in order to be compliant with the code. Right. And so really what happens, uh, what we find happening is people doing kind of the status quo because they've done it that way for 20 or 30 years. You know, they'll use a product that ulti- ultimately only has like a, a you know, a duct A listing. Yeah, right. And um, most of it has to do with lack of education. Yeah. But there's also commercial forces that are at play. These tend to be sort of you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cheaper solutions. Right. And we're not talking order of magnitude. We're not talking sure. these things cost even. It might be cheaper for the product, <clears throat> but for the overall project might not be cheaper. Right? That, well, yeah. And, and, and the question that you've got to answer is, are you willing to trade reduced fire and life safety? Mm-hmm. Like if your kids are in this building, are you willing to trade um, you know, reduced fire safety right, um, yeah, for 10% yeah. of the cost? Right. Uh, in terms of in cost reduction. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the game that we play, or, or that that's the message that we try to send. Trying into the code, really. Into right? the you market. to drive that code a little bit. We're working on all on all aspects. Yeah, so, engineers. You know, Conquest is, we're about, um, you know, 50 people. Mm-hmm. And we're broken out into a few regions. We're really big down in Florida. Uh, Boston, we've been here for years in the mm-hmm. Northeast. New York, you know, the Eastern Seaboard, yeah. we're out in San Francisco, the Midwest is starting to grow right. uh, in, in terms of, um, you know, demand for the product. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, Drew, we're talking, talking engineers, architects, <laughs> general contractors, right. uh, mechanicals, sheet metal contractors, drywallers, yeah. um, and everybody in between. How, how do the sheet metal contractors compare to the sprinkler suppression world. <laughs> I, you know, my sister's an HVHT contractor, but I don't, I don't know what the whole industry is. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of similarities. I got to say, yeah. uh, I mean, heck some of them, there's even overlaps. I mean, some people are doing HVAC contracting and sprinkler contracting. Right. Yeah. yeah. We have so, some big users of inspect point that are doing both or yeah. inspecting dampers, ductwork, stuff like that. So. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, Look, contracting is contracting at some level. And, um, you know, I think you have folks who are more enlightened and, and want to do the right thing and are willing to sort of drive that message along with you. And they go mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder and help everybody that they're talking to to understand the importance of duct B and symmetry in these right. fire protection systems. Right. Uh, and you have other people that are, you know, um, more likely to do what they've always done because, I mean, you know, in the Northeast, 
it's so busy. There's so much work happening. Yeah, it's very busy right now. It's not a question of can I do the right thing. It's can I do the thing that will be accepted and can I do that as fast as I can because there's so much work to go get right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what people are, you know, that's their primary objective. When do you, when do you think the slowdown? There's got to be a slowdown here soon. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, knock on wood and, um, what, you know, what you do here, some of these contractors talking about, well, all across the value chain. Um, right. 2023. Is it that far? 2024. Wow. Yeah. So these projects are, you know, going to be wrapping up at that point. But you got to think, you know, the design community is doing work right now. Yeah, so, yeah, right. That's that's so, always been a few years out. Right? So if those guys are doing work now, then you got to think it's gonna you know carry past those dates. Yeah, so it, it's it's crazy how many cranes are on the horizon. Yep. in Greater Boston, and I'm sure in, in many other parts of the country. Right I now. think what's it? Toronto's got the most right now. It's talking, to, I think it was talking to my brother. Toronto's got a, a ton. <clears throat> Seattle's got a ton. New York's still got a lot, but yeah. Toronto, for some reason, is... You know, I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard blowing that. up. Um, you know, it's good. It's great. Yeah. It's it's really good. I, I was even hearing that uh, all the way down through, you know, K through 12 construction. I mean, you know, the type of construction... Because construction in a high demand environment is expensive. Mm-hmm. So typically, you have like, you know, institutional, you know, construction work happening in the down market when they can get construction for cheap. Right. But all that's hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. Right now. So yeah. it's just a, a crazy time to be in the construction industry. Now it is. It's it's uh you know, ever since that little little blip in the late two thousands has been been pretty strong. So Yeah. So uh back to the flame bar. You gave me a little uh nice little coaster here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> put my beer on it. I know it, right? Uh what is all right, so it's a, a we're on a podcast, so you really can't see, and I'm not. <laughs> Eventually, we'll be videoing this, but um, it's a piece of galvanized duct on one side with Luke's info, and on the other side is a is a coating. Uh, I guess what the, what's the coating made of? Um, uh, oh, yeah, if, you can, if you can tell me, it's proprietary. All right, but I can describe it for you. Um, it's a it's an endothermic. Okay. Ablative coating <laughs> in an elastomeric binder, All right, you gotta which which we, which we put onto, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, sheet metal, and that sheet metal can be you know galvanized sheet metal, can be stainless steel, but you know okay. the, the endothermic piece, you know obviously it, you know when in in fire conditions when you have high temperatures, yeah. you know it'll activate the chemical coating and the, the chemical reaction starts to take place, and you're going to remove heat energy from you know, the underlying substrate, in this case, the sheet metal. Okay, okay. so sucking the heat out of You're the... going to pull the okay. heat out of the sheet metal. The ablative piece speaks to sort of how it does that. Mm-hmm. So the chemical reaction lets off, in this case, it's, you know, water vapor. And, uh, you know, similar to how, you know, drywall works in that same furnace test. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you've ever boiled a pot of water, mm-hmm. you've seen, you know, the creation of steam. Right. I mean, think about that. What you've got is, you know, 1,000 degree temperatures underneath your pot of water... But inside the pot, you have water, which is going to stay at 212 degrees. Right. You know, cool relative to the underside of the pot, right? Correct. Until all the water is gone. Until in there. Well, the BW11 coating, and that's what we call it, it um, it's called the BW11 coating, it, um, it'll it last you for up to four hours in fire testing at 2,000 oh, wow. degrees. Yeah. 
and, and it'll continue to liberate water vapor and it maintains that sort of temperature, lower temperatures for the underlying steel. And the ablated, oh, sorry, the uh, elastomeric binder. Look, here's the thing about fire-rated duct. It's in fires, okay? Right. Right, okay. So you have 2,000 degree temperatures. What happens to metal and specifically steel when yeah. you heat it up to 2,000 degrees? You're going to have elongation. Yeah. You're going to have yeah. deformation. This duct is going to want to twist and do crazy stuff yeah. uh, in, in the dynamic fire condition, and you want that coating to stay on the steel. And that's the elastomeric binder part. So, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, so once you've got the coating on there, uh, the elastomeric nature of the BW11 coating allows it to stay there. So we talked through some of the nitty-gritty there, Drew. Sure. But what's important to understand is, you know, we've got UL-listed, Intertech-listed product. Yeah. Where, you know, all the dynamics that go into these tests, have, the question is, have you passed the test or have you not passed the test? Right, right. And if you can go find a listing card that talks about how to install, you know, with these listings, these duct B sort of symmetry, uh, uh, showcasing symmetry listings, duct B listings, you've successfully passed the test. Gotcha. So that's... All right. That's kind of... Uh, yeah. It is a pretty cool coating. I mean, if, if it's on the outside of a, a ductwork, you've probably custom colored this and whatever else. Is yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Marlins Stadium, we, we, one of the partners, Dick McCullough, he's always, always talking about uh, one of the big projects he worked on was, um, you know, Marlins Stadium. There's, yeah. There's smoke control system down there. It's all, you know, so all the, the flame bars installed throughout that stadium. Sure. And it's all sort of Marlins blue. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Is it a specific... Paint. I was in the painting industry early on, so is a specific paint. I'm sure paint. there's you some. You just paint it. You, you, do you guys paint it? Oh, oh, oh. Um, so we don't, but it can be painted in the field. And oh, it, all right. It's a water soluble coating, oh, so wow. you can hit it with dry lock to keep water off of it. Sure. It can take water and it will dry off, and it does not impact the performance huh. of the coating. You just you don't want it to to freeze, uh, and if it's going to be exposed to any of the elements, you'll want it we can dry lock it for you so it won't take on the water so you don't have that freeze potential. Yeah. But the answer to your question is it would get painted in the field by somebody who knows what Marlin's blue looks like (laughs) and they can go in and, you know, probably spray (laughs) the duct. Yeah. Spray it. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I had a a question for you here. Sure. So the, uh, you know, my experience in just being in fire protection ever since being at inspect point, getting into, involved in a lot of different areas of fire protection. Um, one that was new to me was uh, fire dampers, which, is, you know, I was asking you before about this. You know, there's a lot of contractors I knew that do sprinkler, fire alarm, extinguishers, fire doors, whatever. Fire dampers is its own little niche, but some contractors do fire damper inspections, mm-hmm. which in my opinion is not, not really being focused on that much because you install this big HVAC system. Why aren't you... Why aren't you inspecting and maintaining the duct, or you know, the ductwork dampers? Yeah. Um, how does this work with dampers? Is it in a you know? How, yeah. How is that? Explain that. So I mean, so dampers get used any t- dampers get used in a lot of different places, but as it pertains to fire rated duct, I mean, anytime you're transitioning from a fire rated enclosure, uh, duct being one of those enclosures. Um, uh, out to non-fire rated, you would you would separate the two with a damper. 
Yeah. And the idea is that in the case of a fire condition where you've got 2000 degrees again, right. And the non-fire rated component, component of the duct, you know, a smacna sort of minimum build, you mm. know, the, the duct that you see in most places in buildings, you know, begins to elongate, begins to deform and ends up falling away. I mean, that's the, in the hypothetical, right. You, you would drop that duct out of the sky. Yeah. Right? You don't want the fire or the smoke, the products of combustion, to enter into that fire-rated duct and spread throughout the building. Yep. It's all about keeping the fire on the floor or of origin, right? right? And so you'd have a damper there. So dampers are important to maintain sort of the integrity and, and the continuity of these, um, you know, fire-rated uh, uh, compartments. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know... You know, the contractors that, that I deal with um, do place a priority on accessing fire dampers, fire and smoke dampers, for maintenance purposes. And that's, it's very important. Right. Because you want them to work. Right. If they fail or, you know, um, you know I mean, if they fail, then you're not going to be able to protect your fire rated Correct. integrity. And that's not a good thing. Right. right. You're going to have a lot of... Uh, uh, um, um, you know, frankly, you could be exposing your fire and life safety system to fire, which is what it's designed yeah. to prevent, yeah, right? Exactly. <clears throat> so, you know, one of the applications for flame bar fire aided duct actually is um, uh, um, uh, damper replacement, but we'll put that on hold for a second. We'll talk about damper relocation. Okay. So, like, let's say that you had to have a damper. There's a penetration that's on, like, the third floor of an atrium floating in the middle right. of the sky. You can't really get up there. To... Yeah, it's behind some kind of architectural feature, and right. you can't get up there to service that damper location. Well, you could use flame bar to basically offset that location, uh -huh. and you could you could put it wherever it's convenient. Okay. So, you might grow, you know, uh, some flame bar off the side of that riser 25 feet to a place or a compartment where you do have really easy access for that damper. Right. And you could use flame bar to do that. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, it could, you could use it as a congestion. It's not always just a replacement. It's Absolutely. That's great. So, we had, I had a contractor this morning talking about clean room and exactly what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Because of how tight the space was behind... The fire-rated walls that surround the clean room, they couldn't locate a damper there, and they had to basically extend it. And we talked through this, and you know, we, we can provide them with the listing cards and the justification. Oh wow! And um, yeah, it's big news, and it's pretty handy for a lot of people because it, um, again, coming back to the maintenance. Yeah, I, I've always, you know, from, you know, from the uh, get involved in the inspection, testing, and maintenance of <clears throat> dampers. I I didn't know is. It's it's weird. It's, there's pockets where it's strong, you know. It depends on certain buildings as well. But you install these huge HVAC systems. You think you would want to maintain them. Yeah. Obviously, the heating cooling is very important. Yeah. You you think that fire protection is just as important as well. So you maintain them. But I guess with flame bar, you don't need to worry about maintenance because it's essentially it's eliminates some of that inspection testing maintenance. Yeah. That, I mean that's true. That's true. On a new, on a new. Instance. So, so here comes the damper replacement conversation. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like, so if you had, you know, a lot of the modern architecture will see, a, you know, a shaft. So, what is a shaft but a separate sort of, uh, you know, fire resistance rated compartment that runs through 
multiple stories in a, in a, in a building. Mm-hmm. Well, some of these buildings have big shoulders on them and they get, you know, pointy and, and, uh, you know, at the 50th floor. Right. Think about like downtown New York or something right. like that, right? And, and then they keep going up toward the sky and then, you know, a lot of the mechanicals might be handled on the 50th floor. Right. A lot, some of the mechanicals might keep going, sure. keep going up. And so there might be a floor up there, maybe it's the 51st floor, where a lot of the mechanicals transition from going vertical and they head horizontal okay. uh, for that floor and then will continue vertically. Yeah. So what you could do is you could put dampers on the, you know, the top of one of those shafts and the bottom of the, of the, the next shaft. Okay. And you could have you know, a smack a minimum build connecting those two. Right. Or... You know, with a damper on either side. Right. Or you could replace those two dampers and the horizontal run with flame bar, and it works the same way. Huh. Yeah, so you don't need to have dampers in... Sure. In, in, um, in certain um, situations. In certain situations. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you reached out because, you know, there's a, a whole industry out there that I, I, I didn't know was as big as it was in the HVC side, so... Um, and I guess why you haven't been at Flint, you know a lot about HVAC, you've only been there a few months, so. It's been a, a pretty, uh, tumultuous first uh, yeah, right? six months and we've got a guy, uh, Joe Hoff, uh, University of Maryland, uh, fire protection engineer. I'm a, uh, WPI guy myself. Right. Right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe's a very knowledgeable individual and I've, I've learned a lot from him and, um, you know, I mentioned Dick earlier, um, and then also John Patillo, who is basically our liaison back over to uh, Fire Spray International. You know, the original company who developed Flame Bar, they're over in the UK. John's pretty well plugged into all the sort of codes and standards and listings activity. You know, they're they're a normal. I mean, we we you and I, Drew, both have a research and development background. Mm-hmm. They do all the R and D over there at Fire Spray International. Uh, Conquest is a separate entity okay. from Fire Spray International, but we still have a meeting of the minds in terms of R&D capacity. So John's the guy. So what I'm saying is I've learned a ton in a pretty short period of time, which that's what I like to do. You know, that's, that's good. Just, hey, the learning piece. Well-rounded. I mean, you know, fire protection is a big, it's niche, but it's a very big niche, you know, kind of market. So It's a big umbrella. Yep. What, um, I guess, what do you... What do you like about working there versus, you know, previous experiences? What have your experiences in the past brought you to this position, I guess? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm an engineer, uh, but I really enjoy the customer conversations Mm -hmm. and uh, sort of the applications perspective. So there's a lot of people out there who want to do the right thing or they want to do a thing and they don't really know how. So it's almost you know, sort of consulting to the customer space, if you will. Right. Uh, sometimes that can be consultants. Sometimes that could be architects. Sure. Uh, as I mentioned, everybody else, you know, GCs, mechanicals, sheet metals, and everybody in between, right? Um, even authorities having jurisdiction at this point. I mean, one of the aspects that we've got going for us in the state of Massachusetts, and it's there's a couple other jurisdictions. I think we have a declaratory statement down in Florida as well. But, you know, the, the Board of Building Regulations and Standards in Massachusetts uh, and then the uh, Fire Protection, Fire Prevention, or the FPFP Committee, subset of the BBRS, right? 
that they've basically issued a clarification on code requirements as it relates to fire rated duct. Right. So what's that all about? So what I'm saying, what happened there is they, the best and brightest in this space for a year argued over this idea of symmetry as it pertains to fire rated uh, duct. Okay. And coming out of that was, hey, look, we argued it. Here's what we, here's what we've decided. Yes, you need symmetry in fire rated duct. And here's the pathway for how fire-rated duct can be designed for a project. Right. And that considers alternate means and methods. It considers modifications and variances and all that, right? Well, how do you, how do you use that? How does an engineer use that day-to-day? How does an architect use that day-to-day? How does an inspector or plans reviewer right. evaluate an AMMR, an alternate means and methods request? Mm-hmm. So that's where I come in. And that's what, that's what we okay. do out there. So we're out there educating, helping yep. people to understand the symmetry requirement for the building code and what to look for, what are the red flags, mm-hmm. you know, what's the complica- competition going to try to do sure. uh, to, again, continue the status quo. And what we're trying to do is really transform the market yep. um, in a positive way from a fire and life safety standpoint. Right. So... That's what's most interesting in this, uh, you know, working for Conquest, uh, uh, from, from my perspective, is, you know, that's the charge. That's what gets me out of bed every day. Yeah. Uh, that's what brings me to all these discussions. That's why you and I are talking. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we're out here making the world a better place, Drew. Trying to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you were saying, you know, uh, did a little research as well on, on Conquest. And there's a, there's been... In the fire protection space, it's it's interesting because you know up until yeah, it's probably the last ten years, but it's it's really been uh, active, I would say, in the on the private equity, venture capitalist, and just investment side in the last five years strong. And it's, uh, honestly, what what promoted me to do a lot of the stuff here at, at Inspect Point, but yeah. you, know, you guys just got a, a nice nice little private equity bump, so they yeah. they obviously see the. Uh, the uh, the need for for this application and there's a huge future in it too. So you yep. know wherever it's, wherever you see the money going is there's there's potential there and there's you know there's a lot of focus on it right now. So. This this was a long time coming and um, you know frankly it, you know it, it really solidifies sort of the future for Conquest Fire Spray and um, yeah so the Pacific Growth Investors or PGI they just um, Invested 29 million in the company, and that sets us up for, you know, a, a continued expansion across North America. So, you know, I'm picking up in Boston where others have left off, mm-hmm. but we're going to be opening markets all across the country. And and you know what, you know this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you have people who are working in New York or in Boston that are designing projects in. Omaha and in, you know, Phoenix or wherever it might be. And there's folks in Phoenix who are designing work in Boston. Right. That's just the kind of the way it works. Sure. So there's already projects happening all over the country and up into Canada. Uh, But we're going to see just a continued presence there, uh, you know, for Conquest. So we're really excited. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to be here at this this point. And um, we've, we've got the right leadership in place. I mean, every day. I'm involved in a discussion around, you know, how can we do better? Yeah. What can we do better? Right. What do we need to focus on? Yeah. How can we communicate better? Um, and, and, and so people who are 
you know, for a company to be that sort of self-reflective, if you will, it's just a really attractive. Uh, that's good. To me. Yeah. Yeah, that smaller. You know, I feel like um, we talked about it before, but uh, you know, sometimes those 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 smaller teams. You know, you get I feel like you. You know, I've been corporate up until this point, you yep. know, this very point, and uh, both of us, yeah, both, oh, yeah, right, you too. So it's like, uh, you know, those smaller teams, yeah, there's there's challenges, but you get you can get a lot done and you can really make a big presence. Uh, well, yeah, impact. you matter, yeah, <laughs> like you know, because <laughs> if you're not doing your you job, then, I like that. You know, it's um, everyone's going to pull their own weight, right? Uh, yeah, but, but the but the other side of that is you're able to kind of pivot and move pretty quickly mm -hmm. in the most effective direction. Sure. So Jim Miller, our our managing partner, he uh, he, well, you know, one of the things you hear from him frequently is, you know, how are you going to spend your next hour? Wow. Right. So we're not talking about like this Five week, years. this week, yeah, or yeah, next yeah. week, or next month. We're talking about like today, yeah, yeah. right now. What are you doing? Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's refreshing. I got that in an interview one time. And sidebar in here, but uh, it was an interview question. I, I think I was asked. I forgot what it was, but. What did you eat for breakfast this morning? And what did you, you know, it was this weird That's a thing. tough one. Yeah, I know, right? In an interview. And I actually started using it. And you actually, you know, it gives you a little sense of, of, yeah. of what the person's about. Yeah. yeah. And if they give some, you know, canned answer, and yeah. you, you know. Maybe there yeah, the, the only person that's asked me that question before, Drew, is like my doctor, and that's right before he frowned at my answer. So <laughs> I might have answered it wrong. Uh, Chocolate donuts. Yeah, exactly. There might have been some sausage in there. Who knows? Right. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I would love to talk about this more, and we'll, we'll obviously bring this offline a little bit um, in a little bit. But uh, love to learn a little bit more as you you know, grow with the company and, and all that. Certainly. So, uh, is there anything else you want to get out? Uh, you know, I'll give your information out at the end. But. No, no. I mean, you know, the, I think the biggest thing we talked about it, you know, for fire rated duct symmetry is important. You've got to have, um, you know, a, a strong side and weak side performance. And if you're going to have one, have the weak side performance. Yeah. That, that should be sort of the, um, you know, uh, if you're going to, in terms of fire rating, you want to take that weak side test and use that for your overall rating. It's not yeah. the strong side because, again, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So that's sure. the important piece there. Um, we've recently just started to look at, you know, some fan enclosures uh, for continuity of, of ventilation systems. So, you know, previously you would have had the upstream, upstream duct fire rated, the downstream duct fire rated, but this thing in the middle uh, powering the yeah. ventilation system. You know, maybe there's a drywall box around it or something like that, but it certainly wasn't a fire-rated installation. Now we offer these fan enclosures, which help for continuity and fire rating across the whole system. Sure. And those are all duct B as well. So, you know, between that, you know, grease duct applications. I mean, really, if you have a fire-rated duct, um, you know, sort of question or aspect of your design, we'd like to be there helping you sort of work through it. And we can help you with specifications and yeah. uh, with your overall designs. So, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, let's keep the, the talks going. Um, we're going to do a little quick response round now. Oh, <laughs> you were a little nervous about the, this. The, pressure, the pressure's on. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty quick. So We're off script. Yeah, off script. Um, 
I pretty much ask you a question. You gotta you gotta give your answer yes, no, or um, one or the other. Don't don't I get a don't I get one? It depends. That's what I heard on the. Oh yeah, yeah you do. I'm, these are, this this won't be. It depends. These are pretty straightforward. Okay, so, here we go. I know I know. Um, and Pat will like this from Inspect Point, but um, you know when we were at RPI, yes, we beat you guys. I think yes, uh, four years in a row while I was there. Or something was like that, that four years and in a row? <laughs> we didn't win one of those. <laughs> um, who is the better engineering school, WPI or RPI? I know, I know. What is you're this a, say. is this a is this a loaded question, Drew? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to be. Uh, you know, polite to the host here, but, you know, take a look at, uh, I'm pretty sure I could pull some rankings uh, that put WPI at the top of the list, but look. RPI, RPI is not in the top of my list right now, so you can say WPI. Hey, you know what? Let me just say this. I'm sure we could find very talented, successful people from both schools. How about that? Is that okay. fair? Good, good candy answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were saying this earlier, so... What do you, I know you're involved in all the different processes of, of selling to different channels. Mm -hmm. What is, what is the, this is not a quick response round, but what's it, what do you like best and what do you think is easier, contractor, engineer, AHJ? Mm. Well, if I start with the engineers, I think you find the crowd of people who are most interested in staying on top of what's happening from an innovation standpoint. And, you know, this is on average because there's going to be contractors that just heard that and are angry with me over the podcast waves. Yeah, no, that's all right. Um, um, because I do think that there are contractors. I mean, I met one this morning for the first time who... Uh, very sort of forward thinking. They want sure. to do the right thing, you know. Yeah. And authorities having jurisdiction. I mean, the thing about AHJs is there's so few of them, and they tend to, you know, if you're working for a municipality, for example, you you, you know, there's no room to escape. Like you've got the city of Cambridge, right. or you've got the city of Boston, right? And everything that's happening there in your bailiwick. Right? Yeah, and you there's so many aspects to those buildings that you gotta yeah, yeah. be knowledgeable. So, like, so you got this little HVAC little, you know. So pocket. yeah, so so you know, in terms of you know who's got the hardest job, I would say definitely the AHJs for sure. Um, you know, the engineers tend to sort of pull you in, and they want to embrace you, and they want to learn more about it. I would say because uh, they generally want to do the right thing and, and create the safest buildings for people. And then you know, the, you know, the contractors. You know, the, 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 the best thing about, I think, the contracting conversations is the timelines. Again, we're not talking two years, three years, four years. We're talking about, you know, this week, this month, yep. this project, next project. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you're somebody that enjoys sort of the rapid turn of events, the contracting conversation. So, listen, I, I wear all hats. I have to. Uh, and I've had experiences at all levels and with, you know, all these different sort of layers uh, of the cake, so to speak, right? Yeah. And uh, I enjoy all of it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, what did you enjoy more, the T-Rex nozzle or the aesthetic sidewall? <laughs> the old so I, I remember T-Rex nozzle from our Tyco days. So. Yeah, yeah. They didn't call it that, you know that. They, they couldn't call it that because it was, um, what, what was it, once upon a time. So we had for, a... 
explain the T-Rex now. Okay, all right. So, so um, once upon a time, there was a tunnel, and they were looking to put a certain density of uh, spray into that tunnel. Tunnel? Speaking of tunnel. Yeah. Episode... For with the Fire Protection Podcast. With Mr. Workman. With Mr. Workman. Yeah, so that was great. That was great. It really was. Um, so sim- similar to probably some of Martin's experiences, um, you know, basically over in, um, I think it was Norway, definitely one of the Nordic countries, they had done some work and basically they took the Tyco SW20 or 24 sprinkler, removed the bulb and said, yep, yeah, this is the spray performance we're looking for. We just need it bigger so we could have less, you know, ah. the orifice could be bigger so we could have lesser or lower pressures. And so what happened was they, the, that engineer um, literally took the SW20 or 24, put it on the photocopier, pressed the scale up button a bunch of times, and then reverse engineered right, oh, the, wow. this nozzle, and it was a monstrosity, okay? okay. And it was a, a terrible performer in terms of spray performance. And so that was the T-Rex nozzle, right? And that's when they came back to Tyco, and now that's Johnson Controls, and they said, hey, can you guys help us to develop a purpose-built nozzle that does what we want it to do? And that set the stage for what is now known as the TN25 nozzle. Wow, T-Rex is a great name. TN, you know, tunnel nozzle, K-Factor 25, I mean, come on. You know, Raven. Everybody's uh, raving about yeah, so the Raven. Raven. I thought so that was great. So the Raven Studio was okay. the, that's the aesthetic sidewall. So that was a fun project because it was the sort of the first, you know, paint in place um, uh, sprinkler. Um, you know, that was so. So again, I, I can't pick favorites between the two. They were both okay. enjoyable projects. Yeah. <laughs> One of them had bigger fires, so I will say that okay. the tunnel fires <laughs> yeah. are bigger, and that's always more fun. <laughs> Those are always fun. So. Um, Last question here. Uh, so this is we're going to be doing. We'll be at NFPA and so will Inspect Point. San Antonio, yeah, yeah. So that should be fun. Um, great town as well. But we're I'm, I'm going to try try to do a live podcast on on sprinkler, but dry pipe systems specifically mm. on getting somebody from an air compressor company, somebody from a nitrogen company. Somebody from an engineer, somebody from a contractor's point of view, and then myself. We're gonna we're gonna duke round, it out in a room. Round table. Yeah, that's duke a cool, that's a cool idea. Because you only get, you know, on the podcast and and certain other presentations, you only get sometimes one viewpoint. So mm-hmm. let's let's duke it out. What is your uh, experience in dry pipe systems? I know you got you're heavily in sprinkler. What yeah. is your opinion of the whole nitrogen wave? I guess. Yeah, this is from a uh, a corrosion resistant yeah yeah standpoint. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, um, I'm not up to speed on the latest mm-hmm. with these nitrogen systems, and I think they were being used for a couple of different things. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're um, pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I think I think innovation is important in every industry mm-hmm. because I think without innovation, you industries die. Yeah. And I think that um, while we are a heavily sort of regulated industry, and I think that um, you know uh, there, there are a lot of a lot of momentum. There's a lot of forces, externalities, sort of holding back from doing sort of radically different approaches on technologies. I think it's important. I think I think our industry and and uh, is 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 uh, slowly but surely 
you know, evolving mm-hmm. uh, in some parts, you know, faster than in other parts. And I think suppression and the related systems that go into these suppression systems uh, is right there with it. And right. I think there, there's an acceleration that's happening right now. Oh, yeah. You know, where I think things are finally, you know, when you look at look at what we've done with cell phones in the same period of time. Yeah. Where, you know, we, we've all been around suppression systems for 20 years or so. Right. 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 I mean, look back 20 years when cell phones, like, you know, I think they start started to first exist about 20 years 20 ago, years maybe ago. 25 yeah, yeah, years yeah. ago. Right. Well, you know, and then look at the sprinkler systems and the extinguishers. I mean, there, there's some, so, so I think it's important. Um, so I know I'm not commenting directly on nitrogen as it pertains to dry pipe systems, but um, I'm glad to see that there's some new technologies. No, I do, I do too. That are coming into the fold. Yeah, you gotta, you kind of got to mix it up. And same thing with you know, the mobile technologies, IOT stuff coming out, it's, something's got to change. I mean, and SpecPoint, I mean, what a tremendous uh, platform as, um, you know, particularly for, you know, the road ahead where everything's becoming smart. Yeah. Including yeah. suppression systems right. and probably on the passive side as well. Sure. HVAC is already smart. And every, if everything, yeah, that's a good point. All these, all these building systems. Well, yeah, it, and it's getting. I mean, they're all, they all touch yeah. at some point, yeah. and it's just a matter of time until they become a part of the big, uh, you know, one big picture. Right. And um, a platform like InspectPoint, uh, with the ability to sort of tie it all together, mm-hmm. and um, you, know, you know, with the primary charge being, hey, let's make sure these systems work the way they were designed. Right. Because the smarter the system, the more complex the system. Correct. And the more failure points, yep. probably. Yeah. And so, you know, I think proactive, you know, inspection and maintenance is, is critical. Yeah. No, that, that, that's, we'll get into it in NFPA about the dry pipe. It's, it's going to be fun. I'll, I'll get I'll, some boxing gloves out. Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll try to find you guys and, and see what I can do to distract you while you're trying to record your podcast. Yeah, right. It's going to be good to sort of catch up with everybody. No, it'll be good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting. Well, um, yeah, that's that's all I got. You did you did well. So uh, on the quick response round, <laughs> appreciate it. But uh, thanks again uh, for joining. No, thank uh, you. Where can people find you? Find uh, Conquest Flame Bar. You know. Yeah, yeah. Media so if you take a you know a quick Google search, conquestfirespray.com, um, You know. Uh, Email, uh, I could be reached at lconnery at conquest-firespray.com. Can I give a phone number out on a podcast? Is that not I, smart? I don't, I don't It's on my LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Luke Connery. <laughs> and uh, my phone number is 508-884-6959. I don't care. Give me a call. I'm always willing to chat. Uh, thanks again. This is, this is fun. We'll, uh, well, I guess we'll see each other at NFPA and... Have a drink or two. Yeah, man. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thanks, Drew. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 6 of the Fire Protection Podcast, powered by InspectPoint. Want to again thank Luke Connery for joining me on today's podcast. To give a different direction of fire protection from the HVAC side of things and fire reducting. Upcoming here in a few weeks, uh, InspectPoint and the Fire Protection Podcast are going to be live at NFPA out in San Antonio, Texas from June 17th through the 19th. So please stop by our booth. We'll have some InspectPoint swag to give away as well as we will be doing a live podcast out there as well. So um, stop on out if you are in the uh, Texas San Antonio area and make sure to subscribe.